Good evening and welcome, or it might be morning, or it might be afternoon, who knows, <laughs> I don't know, and I'm on the show. Um, welcome everyone to Talking Force, that's right, it's the world's favourite collaborative G.I. Joe podcast, where Talking Joe and Full Force come crashing together like them two gloves in Rocky IV, you know, the, <laughs> the uh, Stars and Stripes glove and that Russian glove where they go, boom! I'm going to have to put that in the video. that in the video. So yeah, it's a collaboration across the nation with devastation and celebration because we're on vacation at Christmas time. Christmas time. Christmas time. That's right, people. 24th of December when this episode's going out. So it's a Merry Christmas to all of the listeners across the globe of Talking Joe and the Full Force. And as always on these collaborative specials, I'm joined by my good buddy, Christopher McLeod, aka Diagnostic 80 from the Full Force podcast and of course Talking Joe and now Talking Force. Yeah, baby. Talking Force. <laughs> Yeah, so this um, is, you missed uh, out. You did miss out. Uh, you missed out masturbation in that rap. Ah, uh, of course, of course. How could I forget? I've added it now, so it's fine. Good man, good man. Um, this is the second talking force special to go out. If you keen listeners and viewers out there will remember, and you should, we did a special before you even came on as host, a co-host. Yeah, before of I was Joe, born, yeah. Before you were born, and we <laughs> covered the Action Force Weekly comic from 1987 into 1988 which ran for 50 weekly issues. And on this particular show, we're going to be covering Action Force Monthly. I never read this at the time. You did, sir. Um, you're a, uh, a big fan of this. So yes. um, give us Take a bit of background away. about this Take particular... <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, obviously, we've just come to an end of the Action Force Weekly comic on February 1988 with issue 50. And only a few months later, we were back in the game again with issue one of Action Force Monthly in June of, of course, that same year. The first issue actually came with three battle ribbons and a mini poster, and I remember that vividly. Uh, I used to love all of the stuff we'd get in the comics. I know in the weekly comics we used to get some cool stuff as well. Uh, You even got the second issue with the first issue in the the weekly stuff. So in the monthly stuff, it only made sense that they would throw in some cool stuff in there. And obviously we got that cool mini poster of the cover with the, uh, the Joes from that issue one. Action Force Monthly, which was, I think, Leatherneck, Lady J, Roadblock, Flint, Sci-Fi, and Footloose, who would actually appear quite often throughout the run uh, of those 15 issues. The issues featured shorter stories than the Marvel UK Weekly that had come before it. Uh, didn't really have long arcs. There was one very good, uh, I would probably say, three-parter. There were a few really good, lot, like longer stories that went over a couple of issues, but the story about Trent, which we'll get to later on, was an absolute belter. So it highlighted characters and vehicles that were usually available at the time on toy shelves. With, obviously, I just mentioned the character that wasn't on the toy shelves, which is hilarious. The run lasted 15 issues, as I said before, and came to an end in August of 1989. So we only got a year out of this, but it was a pretty solid year. And for me, this comic is one of the most fun beautifully drawn really well written for such short bursts of stories of comic stories and i just think had a really cool atmosphere and feel about them i don't know how you feel about these issues okay well we'll come on to that in a second but first of all i do uh, i'm still under the weather can you believe it this is three weeks now i've been poorly i went i had four days off work last week went to the doctors they wouldn't even give me antibiotics as i think i mentioned last time um and now i've got this kind of phlegmy cough and I just cannot shake it. So I am going to need to crack on the beverage for the show because I need to lubricate the old throat. Beverage for the show. Beverage for the show. Now I am going to go and drink my beverage for the show. Sexy. And what I've got here, glass bottle, uh, which is loud in the house, is fine. Belvoir Fruit Farms Light Elderflower Press. Or do you pronounce that? Presse. P-R-E-S-S-E. Not a clue. And the last E's got one of them little funky things across it. Presse. Presse. Belvoir Fruit Farms Light Elderflower Presse. Gently bubbling with real flowers. And at the top it says (laughs) 100% good. Oh, good. That's, yeah, that is good. Why doesn't it say 100% awesome? Anyway. Well, it's not. It's only good. Yep. Let's have a go on this. It's a big 750ml bottle. Oh, neck it. Chug, 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 chug. Yeah, elderflower. I like it. Nice. What you got? You got one? I actually, I'm switching it up. 
It's uh, oh, I like it. Game changer. No, no beverage for me on this one. I'm actually currently in the United Kingdom of America. No, the United Kingdom of England, and I um, I flew out. When was it? Friday, Thursday, Wednesday. Got in Wednesday. I got yeah. in a day a couple of days ago, but jet lag has destroyed me, so I don't know what day it is. And in fact, uh, this when this goes out on the twenty fourth of December. We probably, hopefully, will have already met and kissed. I mean, and yes, kissed. yes, yeah. absolutely, yeah. So that's it. That's exciting, isn't it? No, um, yeah. So basically, I flew out. I was in Boston for a few days doing some filming with Boss Fight Studio, which was a lot of fun. And uh, while I was there, I did pick up food poisoning the night before I flew. Uh, well, no, the the day before I flew. So all day before I got I had to get on that plane, I was basically doing the squits Nasty. and uh, redecorating the interiors of toilets all around the uh, eastern United States. But yeah, so I, thankfully my body dealt with all of that and I flew over nice and comfortably. Thank you, Virgin Atlantic. And um, yeah, so now I'm in the United Kingdom and I thought, you know, we're not doing Talking Joe as such. We're just doing our, our collaborative double header. And, and I thought, you know, I probably won't need a beverage. At the last minute, no, that seems to be the case. I need a beverage. But instead of having a <laughs> beverage, I've actually got a snack. And I have gone for, and this it kind of blows my mind because I didn't know it existed, but a vegan galaxy caramel and sea salt chocolate bar. And what the hell? It, I'm, I'm going to get stuck into this bad boy, see what it's like. So, um, yeah. You're what the helling, so you, you're, not, you're not confident that this is going to be good. Um, no, I think it will be okay. I'm going to try it. Here we go. That's gorgeous. Oh, oh man, I haven't had Galaxy in ages. I'm from Moven. Yeah, good one. That's f***ing amazing. Oh, the boy's done it. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, that's my beverage for the show. All right, okay. It's like a chocolate mess in my mouth now. Good, good. Um... Oh, right, we, we, got 50, we got 15 issues to dig into, so I'm saying let's just do it, let's dig in. Yes. Uh, if only we had a Action Force Monthly jingle, but we don't, unfortunately. We do, don't worry. Oh, do we? Okay. No, we don't, actually. <laughs> right, so you've given a good background, um, a tiny bit more background. Very surprising to me that as a big G.I. Joe Action Force fan, I had never read these before this weekend just gone. Yeah, now, weird. Totally weird. I got those weeklies. I've got no idea why I didn't progress onto the monthlies, because what was the gap? Remind me again between issue 50 of the weekly and issue one in this monthly. February of 1988, yep. June of 1988. Uh, okay, so there was there was a little bit of a hiatus. Like three or four months, yeah. Okay. Um, but even then, when it got reprinted in the States as... European missions, is that correct? Yeah, yep. uh, I, I never got it, so yeah, very weird. I'm uh, thanks to Mark Seddon, I've borrowed his collected volume of these issues. Um, I know these are a massive. You know, you've said previously um, that these are some of your favourite comics of all time, if not your favourite series. Yeah, it's. I mean, the, I, I kind of lump the weekly and the monthly together. Okay, you know that that all that kind of thing kind of goes together yep. for me. Uh, they don't actually. In terms of continuity, they don't line up because they don't really follow anything on that's that happened that's happened previous. But it doesn't yep. need to. No. The characters obviously are still the same. Trent is still a character that carries over, so it's within the same universe. But there's no like story um, yeah. tying it together. But that's you know again doesn't really bother me. And that and, and that yep. uh, again that it they just feel like the same thing. Yeah, I mean, I think it's highly likely I'll be looking for a new co-host after this because i thought on the whole this was a big pile of junk <gasps> yeah I really thought, yeah i did not end i will never ever read these comics again i don't think oh that's so sad yeah. so take me well, through why let's well let's i just felt the writing and the art on the whole was poor just had just didn't i don't know i just it didn't feel like the weekly at all it felt very different and i think this is one of those things where nostalgia obviously plays a big part and Probably there's a lot of things likely, yeah. I like, you know, that whether it be video games or movies or comics, whatever, that still hold a place in my heart of, of like, this is amazing, amazing. And even if other people are like, this is absolute rubbish. And I'm like, well, I almost don't see that because mm. I'm still associating myself. And I'm not saying that's what you're doing here, but then maybe there is a, an element of that. And again, this is not me, me saying I'm right, you're wrong. 
Um, this oh, is totally, just yeah, yeah. two different two different takes. But let's let's dig into them and may, maybe I can elaborate a bit more about yeah, sure. w- what's not doing it for me. So in these issues, hopefully people have been able to read along. Blood for the Baron, if you haven't, maybe pause now. Well, not now. Wait till I've finished this sentence. Go to Blood for the Baron website and they've got a link to all the Action Force stories. Now, it does put them on the website in stories, not in issues. So you'll see... There's like 40 different stories listed. Start at number 20, I think, because the first 19 are from Action Force Weekly. Yeah, Double Bluff. Just start at Double Bluff and go yeah, on from 20s there. Yeah, 20 is Double Bluff. So, and inside the front cover here, you've got a little mission control, which gives you almost a briefing for what's going to happen in this issue. Three little panels highlighting the three stories that are on display. And also within these, we must say, they do do some reprints from the weeklies. Yeah, the uh, Ancient Relics. Ancient Relics um, in this particular one, but then Gunboat, etc. as well. So this first one, Double Bluff, written by Ford Allen and Dan Abnett, and pencils by Dougie Braithwaite. Yeah, and we've got like a hostage situation that the Joes kind of jump in and, you know, deal with. You get Roadblock introduced almost immediately. Uh, Leatherneck and Sci-Fi also showing some cool, cool stuff. And the Crimson Guard, who were basically taken out you know, quite easily. Hostage that gets saved. Meanwhile, other another team... Page three, Roadblock's just gunning people down. Yeah, it's, I mean, it is... A, Brutal. It is generally quite... I mean, you know, the, the UK... Uh, G.I. Joe Action Force and so on and so forth. The UK stuff has always been very brutal and violent. The Battle Action Force comics were insanely violent. And obviously, you know, it kind of continues that. Like, it's not as constant and in your face, but that particular scene there, it's it's probably in the... They probably thought, well, it's in the background enough to not be too, you know, violent. But yeah, there's lots of that in, in and around the comics in the UK. I think looking through this first story... Just the art is so bad. You're not a fan of it, okay? I just, I'm just not feeling. I'm just not feeling it. It just look at Time Max and Zaymot. I just, I don't know. It just... Well, I don't. I didn't actually. I think it looks pretty cool. I'm, I'm not. A, I'm don't think it's. I don't think it's Salmon's level. I, yeah, Time Max <laughs> and Zaymot's hairstyles are pretty gross. And I've but just written than... two words around this story on my pad, and it yeah. says, "Don't understand." <laughs> what? So ba- <laughs> yeah. So you've got uh, effectively the Crimson Guard. Uh, are being lured to the action force base um is what's happening here yeah but what's all this what's the double bluff let's go through it bit by bit so you've got um like i said you've got the hostage situation they deal with that team team two then are like okay there's a chopper coming in turning away must have warned it off etc etc and it's zaymot and tomax they know what's going on they said the action force have, have beaten our team but they haven't seen me withdrawing now cobra commander will be displeased yada 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 so you see the bluff was successful. We will find their base. So they bluffed the Joe team by, you know, basically like l- drawing them out so that they could then find the Joe's base, okay, or the Action Force's base. So they ended up, um, we switch over to the, the secret base and the and Action Force are like saying, well, we're going to double bluff them by, you know, luring them in and then uh, controlling that situation. Uh, which they do, they bring in like the bats, they take uh, Footloose, they, or they capture Footloose, and they get to the Action Force base, but then obviously the bats are taken out. Z- Zaymot and Tomax are left to try and escape, yep. but while they are escaping, they come across Trent's, uh, you know, the director of operations at Action Force, they come across his office, and that's where they find uh, some information that they're going to utilise later on, and that's the Trent storyline that I found. Yeah. I thought was really, really cool. And, and, and what's Zartan dark. doing popping up at the end here? I think that was just a little fun thing of, hey, look, Zartan's here, and he's also keeping an eye on on things. You know, it's just a, like a nice little uh, cute thing. But anyway, the the actual the, it does link because the Dreadnoughts are brought into they're brought into this particular plan, which yeah. comes later in uh, in the next issue. Um, I have given this one five out of ten just for those who are keeping track. <laughs> okay. Uh, next one, we've got another uh, story within issue one, and this is called Double Cross. I love this. I this is Ian Rimmer on script and Dougie Braithwaite again on pencils. I think Braithwaite does a better job on the art on this one. It's only, oh, a, it's little, beautiful. Yeah. It's only a little five-pager. What I found really funny is you've got basically two uh, Cobra... You, well, it, okay, yeah, it's Shipwreck and this, um, this kind of crew there basically uh, raising this old German fighter plane or yep. bomber because they're basically they're this doctors with them and they're testing out this new way of inflating balloons under the the 
the craft to raise up and action force are interested because they want to help they want that technology to you know get some of their vehicles out of the murky depths uh, as well so shipwrecks along to kind of see how this thing works they bring this german plane up but um all of a sudden on uh, and shipwreck and this 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 little this guy go out to the boat on a little dinghy but the other boat is boarded by two cobra operatives who are dressed right as yep. copperhead so you've got copperhead's like uniform one of them doesn't have his mask uh, i think he's called thornton yeah so they have like a you know again it's like another way that they, they always did this in the marvel uk comics they always made a trooper a significant individual character and they do the same here but shipwreck calls them lampreys which yes, is interesting right. so it's not co- you know it's supposed to be copperhead but it's not copperhead they're supposed they say they're lampreys but they're in a different uniform so i right. found that really funny that they'd obviously got their wires crossed on what a lamprey is yeah yeah and uh there's it's like a nazi plane with a load of gold in it isn't it that's why cobra are there yeah so the yeah. the the actual ship the actual plane that they're raising is of interest to cobra because of the uh the, the money on board or yeah. the the gold on board and then shipwreck drowns them basically yeah he um he traps them in the ship while they're shooting because he hasn't got a weapon and then he deflates one of the the balloons that's holding the the ship the plane up it kind of sinks back in crushing the guys with the gold and and the boxes and then shipwreck's allowed to kind of uh, leave and get out and uh, and he throws like he finds a there's like a dead body in there like with a skeleton and like a, and a Nazi uniform on and he pulls the medal off him by accident when he's looking in the stuff and he's got it in his hand and he just throws it over the edge at the end but um again like I just thought it was a really cute little fast paced you know shipwreck story and like you say the art's really nice and I don't know I just think I find it really appealing yeah I gave this one a five out of ten as well <laughs> that's the two from issue one. Yes. Uh, moving on to issue two, we've got a Jeff Senior cover here, I think. Yes. Um, which is uh, actually let's just quickly Beautiful. talk about the cover to issue one because I think Abs- we forgot about that. Uh, well, we I discussed it with the mini poster. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. It's not ideal. Um, cover to issue two is a rattler coming down and shooting at Snake Eyes and Hawk. Hawk. Yeah, absolute beauty. I love yeah. it. Yeah, it's a good one. First story up here is Death or Glory. Uh, this Hell is yeah. Simon Furman, obviously well-known in the Transformers world, and obviously Action Force Weekly, and Pencils by Brian Hitch. Yeah, yeah. This is what you were saying about the, the uh, a continuation of the Trent storyline. Yes, so this is basically, now that now that Zaymon Tomax have found out that Trent has a daughter, kind of uh, important information that I guess would have been concealed normally, they want to, or that they hire the Dreadnoughts to kidnap the daughter, and this story starts off with a letter from Buzzer, to Trent basically kind of explaining the situation and it's almost like Buzzer's the head of the Dreadnoughts when Zartan isn't in the picture which is quite cool because Buzzer was you know he was uh, Blink, I think, uh, what's his name? Uh, Richard Blinken Smythe I think his full name is or Dick Blinken Smythe and he um, you know was supposed to actually be fairly intelligent to a degree for a Dreadnought in the UK uh, side of of action force as opposed to the gi joe dumb <laughs> kind of depictions of the dreadnoughts uh they're not all intelligent obviously but but i think buzz has got like a and he was always one of those characters that was used a lot in the weekly comics so obviously pops up again here he sends a letter to trent saying hey you know i've got your daughter and this is how it panned out this is what you need to do yeah so basically it's all about them getting files off trent off for you know off action force to use against them pretty much and Trent sends him on a wild goose chase, doesn't he, Flint and the... Yeah, the he sends Action Force well away from the scenario because he's told to by Buzzer, yeah. I kind of... I, 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 I like this one a bit more. I think I gave this one a 6.5. And I think Furman, he's putting more sort of choices in for the... Or he's getting on into the into the heads of some of the characters. So, you know, yeah. Flint is... He's just parachuted in and he's like... And though he's trusting Her Majesty's government's yeah. complete, he must on occasion question the motives of those who give the orders. He's wondering about the orders he has been given and is it you know what's really going on and um you kind of see inside trent's head because he's now donning his old soldier's uniform and he's going to confront the dreadnoughts one-on-one and yeah it's a little bit more meat to this one i think totally and i think that's the problem with some of the other that i guess you're struggling with is the fact that the stories don't go on for very long and there's no time to really 
delve into the characters and, and all yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, stuff. I, don't, I, think that's, I don't mind. I think that's where we differ slightly because I get bored with long term yeah. arcs, and and I think that's where we have in the past had that kind of difference of opinion where I get bored in the same place, but enjoy the you know these little kind of quick bursts. I've always yeah. kind of found that quite interesting. I don't mind short stories. I just generally felt that the quality of these ones was not good. Sure. But that's, again... I disagree 100%. (laughs) Yeah, and so obviously Trent goes off to approach the Dreadnoughts um, on his own. He takes a gun with him, though, even though they tell him not to. And when he gets there, he says, here are the files. They put the lights on him. It's all very, like, construction site set up. And he's got... I, I think I would love this as a figure to be made, a Trent figure. I wish, like, the club had done it. At some point, that's not going to be happening now, obviously, but um, that would have been really cool to have, like, a, you know, you could probably do it with existing figures as well, like, you know, the build and everything, so that's that's a really cool figure, I think, with the beret. Yeah. Anyway, they throw the, the daughter to the ground, and they go to approach him, see he's got a gun, he opens fire on the dreadnoughts, considering his, his daughter's kind of out of the way. And then uh, you see, which was quite interesting because you see a really heavy hit on Monkey Wrench on his arm, blood and all, which is really, you know, violent. Then uh, Buzzard jumps in the uh, one of the constructor cons and tries to run him over. And then like while he's injured and on the ground, they're kind of beating him up. And Buzzard says, no, we can't we can't kill him. He's more used to us alive trying to be the intelligent one in the group. And then Monkey Wrench just comes barging in, blood dripping from his arm. Yeah. Cham, just, cham, cham, cham. Yeah, and just absolutely obliterates him. And again, really dark. You know, he's he's got the, the gun, the bullet holes in his chest, blood everywhere, yeah. eyes up in his head and everything. It's just... That would have been probably a good end of the issue. But that's kind of... There are some more pages to this particular story because then you go back to the Action Force dudes and, um, you know, they're told what's... They've been told what's happened to Trent and then they seek out... The dreadnoughts, and you get a bit of a throwdown with some action scenes. Buzzer's trying to. What's is that a chainsaw? He's swinging. What's he swinging at Hawk's head there? Yeah, it's a chainsaw. Yeah. Okay. And then Flint manages to shoot the pilot of a rattler through the head, <laughs> whilst it's in motion, which is an impressive shot. Yeah, really impressive. Really impressive. That thing's going to be moving at pace. Yeah. Yeah, and it's 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 bearing down on Snake Eyes and and Hawk, which is quite an interesting because obviously they recreate the, it's not a recreation of the cover, but like the cover is obviously more detailed. But you get that panel of the Rattler chasing them down and shooting either side of them, and then there's another scene where it's coming back and doing another strafing run. Flint sees it, and you've got Hawk dragging Snake Eyes, who's clearly been shot in the leg. Yep, um, and that's all bleeding. And they've he kind of you know Flint has basically he's got um trent's beret badge like on him and he looks at it and then goes right and then just gets the the rifle and takes out the rattler pilot and then boom goes down and then at the end he's like holding trent's daughter and it's all very like a you know kind of made amends although i say made amends but they're kind of blaming flint for a while in this issue and i always thought well it's not flint's fault he was following orders and yeah why should anything have been off about the that th- that whole reason like there's no, nothing to be concerned about until they actually get there and see that it's all action force vehicles and not cobra ones so i th- i thought that was a weird decision that they all like vilify flint and he's got some res- like he's got something to prove yeah hmm. yeah strange but I really I, I enjoyed that story, and it's always a yeah, it's always a harsh one with Trent because I really liked him as a character in, the, yeah, yeah, in he Weekly. Good. He was good. Issue three. This has got a cover of Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes with a big flame in background. Yeah, it's not a bad one. Yeah, it's nice. Again, quite iconic in the yep. uh, Action Force realm. And then the first story inside is Old Scores, and this is actually written by Grant Morrison. Yeah, it's a beauty. With art by Mark Farmer. I love the art in this. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mark Farmer is generally known as an inker. For, did a lot of inking over um, Alan Davis and a lot of other lot of other people did a lot of inking on Incredible Hulk I think over Gary Frank maybe or Dale Keown yeah and but he shows you know he has got some artistic chops here to actually draw the story and this is Storm Shadow seeking revenge yeah from his time in Vietnam yeah and there's some old some old master who's got some guy in a speedos is his General Loy is the guy who he's uh he's seeking revenge on yeah yeah yeah. And Han is his big, sexy bodyguard in it, tight, yeah. tight pants. Yeah, it's, <laughs> uh, it's it's kind of standardized Storm Shadow picking off goons and then taking out 
taking out the muscle and then yeah. confronting the <laughs> sorry did you say he took out his muscle he took out his muscle yeah yeah quick sharp uh yeah and obviously like one of his coll- like, one of his you know nam buddies died at the hands of general lawyer to torture and, and all it, sorts yeah. and so he then obviously starts threatening this guy and what i liked about it was the fact that he doesn't kill him at the end you know he comes in and he's basically like look i can pretty much get at you whenever i want live in fear and the guy you see him like picking the gun up as storm shadow walks away and you think he's going to shoot storm shadow you should have killed him or storm shadow's going to turn around and throw a ninja star and kill him and he just goes i can't live this way i can't and the storm shadow's walking away you hear you see the blam yep. so he shoots himself which is really nice and that last panel's really cool that silhouette in the yeah, jungle that's a, thing that's a good one i give that one a 6 out of 10 really yeah any reason for not being a fan of it no i mean 6 is 6 explain is okay. your workings 6 is okay I, th- I mean i say the art was quite nice it's it's i don't know it's not my favorite but i don't know it's just I'm struggling to put my finger on what it is that's not doing it for me with these stories. I don't know, just maybe I came to it too late. Maybe, yeah. It'd be interesting to uh, to hear what the readers think. So after you have read these and listened to, um, no doubt, my incorrectness and Chris's um, spot-onness, let us know what you think. No, not necessarily. I I think you were right on the nostalgia thing. I think, um, obviously, that does have a, a lot to do with it. And this was like the prime time for me with G.I. Joe and Action Force and stuff and just really like love like consuming the media and watching the cartoon and were you, you know. reading other comics at the same time yeah I, I was I, I generally read loads of stuff as a kid comics wise whatever was on sale in the news agents effectively and okay. whatever we could get in and on, on order yeah all right next one in this issue we've got the cold zone this is great which is by Ian Rimmer on script and Jerry Paris on art duties now what didn't you like about this one (laughs) i I really like that first page it's got kind of a claustrophobic vibe to it he's drawing snow serpents which is always always going to be good i think that's great stuns it really cool in the first sort of like two or three pages it felt very much like an american superhero comic sure just the way that he's drawing the characters and then the fact that on kind of page five one of the bad guys Don's like a an Iron Man light, or it's, it's like, almost like an early metalhead kind of costume. Oh, harness. You, yeah, you mean Chattel? Yeah. So yeah, he basically yeah. I I always thought it was very Warhammer like. I I always thought yeah. he looked like a like a like a space, space marine. marine. Yeah, yeah. But the and and I I loved it. I thought it was so cool. And the I, I, this this story always kind of makes me think of those UK artists and UK comics because of that you know, that vibe that it gives off. And yeah, basically it's this guy, this chattel guy is actually the big bad and you don't think that initially. He seems like a bit of a nerdy dweeb and he's drawn the snow serpents um, to this place so that he can get his gear and basically just, you know, show off um, what this stuff can do. And Snake Eyes obviously comes because of the snow serpent kind of situation, takes out all the snow serpents and then chattel and again this is quite a violent issue snake eyes is uh making some malayan tiger traps or something exactly so like he 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 nearly kills snake eyes with the first couple of blasts like takes some of his costume off yep. shame it wasn't the, around the groin area i don't know why and then <laughs> or and injures timber and yep. they escape into the snow and he tra- follows them and he's got like you know all this like tech like you can kind of see their heat signature and where they've been, but yeah, you're right. Snake Eyes goes full on Arnie in uh, Predator and starts setting traps and and all sorts and and a bit Rambo because Rambo does it yeah. in the first Rambo, doesn't he? When he makes the that horrible that tree thing that whips yeah. round and catches that guy in the like around the waist. I I don't think in First Blood he actually directly kills anyone, does he? I think he throws a rock at the helicopter and the guy falls out. And lands on the rocks and dies. Yeah, but, yeah that's, other that's than that, I don't as well, think it? John J. Rambo actually kills any characters in that. No, he didn't. He didn't. He do, he, he even the guy at the end he shoots yeah. him but doesn't I've kill him. I've just watched this week Rambo Last Blood. Kills holy everybody. moly, he kills a load of people in that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, they just went. It, it went a bit mental after Rambo One, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Two was good. Anyway, um, bit death heavy. So in the end here, yeah, Snake Eyes is buried in the snow. Actually, yeah, in Rambo Two, he's buried in that mud wall. But yeah. um, he's buried in the snow. He comes up behind the dude, 
shoves him off the cliff, and then there's a brutal panel. He's fallen on these uh these branches, tiger sharp spikes, and, yeah, yeah, tiger spikes. And there's a brutal panel. His eyes open. He's obviously got one through the neck or the chest or something. Yeah, it's amazing. But, um, uh, yeah, uh, six point five. I'll give that one. Oh man, I really I love that. That's one of my favourite, and I'd love that. I'd love again. Chattel is another one that I'd love to see done in a action figure. One hundred percent. Issue four cover. Nah, not not feeling this one. It's the, it's the whale, and you've got you've got Cutter, Hawk, wetsuit, and sci-fi. Is it? Yeah, you're not feeling it. Any it just reason? Looks very flat. It just looks yeah. very two D and flat. Okay. Who is on the cover duty there? Oh, it's Robin Smith. And John Burns and Robin Smith is on the interior art, and you've got Richard Allen and Steve White on pencils here. I swear, if you diss the next cover, I'm I'm we're never friends Did, again. Like I mean, I'm just gonna zero look, friends. Very quickly looking ahead. Okay, right, I know. Zero it's friends right. ever again. The Devil and the Deep Blue Sea. This is this one. This this is this one. That's the name of this story. This is this one. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay, so Action Force have been hired by I guess this freighter company to clear mines in front of an oil freighter. Two Cobra Rattlers are dropping mines and end uh, in and around because, you know, they're assholes <laughs> and uh, they attack Action Force. Joe's fight back and, yeah, and they end up, uh, yeah, they end up almost dying, but they're fine. Yeah, it's basically just a big big old sea scrap. Yeah, massive kind of, sea and air we, We've scrap. kind of seen, it's, it's, it's like a poor man's version of that G.I. Joe issue where the whale, again, is engaged with hydrofoils. And there's yes. rattlers attacking the the bigger ship. Where I think there's issue forty or forty one, possibly, or even thirty six. I will say that, that um, sci. I like sci fi as a character, but yeah, he's kind of a bit forced to be used in this one. I mean, like you know, is, uh, he's, I know he's shooting mines, but yeah. surely they can just shoot the mines with all of the weapons they have on the on the whale. And Hawk takes a shot from the rattler mm-hmm. and lives. Yep, I know it's a no- shoulder. It's just a shoulder. Knocks wound, him out but... as what? Well, knocks him out. Yeah. <laughs> let's say like a rattler is basically an a10 and like modified drastically but if it was an actual a10 that fired that you wouldn't have an arm left let's face it yeah and you get you get quite a few movie quotes here wetsuit game over (laughs) man game over can i say my favorite one out loud yeah go on i'm not going to bleep this because it's brilliant and it's genius and i can't believe they got away with it yeah on one page he says smile you son of a and as you turn the page it says bitchoom yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah so you've got aliens and you've got jaws there brilliant so that's why i marked it up i'd originally given it a you can't mark it up for just two lines i'd originally given it a five and i marked it up to a six for those two lines i'll take it i'll take it it's okay it's it's not one of my favorite issues uh, or my, my favorite stories i should say because there is another yeah couple of stories in there one of the things i really enjoyed as a kid through this and why i kind of enjoyed the comics is because it felt like you'd always get more than one story you'd always get lots of yeah. other things included you get some reprints in there you'd get you know tack pages and you'd get bios and you'd get other stuff so i felt i you know i, I always I was just in, enjoyed the experience I, sh- I i would probably say yeah that's that's you know kind of a very british feel and that was something that i did enjoy through the weeklies and even this i could see it carrying over like you said with all those extra things which is a mm. nice touch we've got another another story in issue four and it's called betrayal and things pick up here and one of the reasons is because kev hopgood is on art so we've got ian rimmer on script and like i said kev hopgood doing the doing the pretty drawings it's it's a pretty cool little story as well for what it is like you know dusty wants to quit flint's like you know well explain to me why he tells him this story about uh, this kind of this woman that he'd actually kind of, I, I guess, fallen in love with, but it doesn't actually say that um, really at any stage. And uh, I want to say Craig, or am I getting yeah. that confused with yeah, yeah, uh, Julia, Julia Craig? Okay, so I, yeah, because I'm thinking Courtney Krieger of Covergirl. So yeah, so this woman was part of the team in uh, the Middle East where they were doing a when they were on they were on a mission and they're going through the desert it's funny what another interesting thing here and something that happens quite quite often is they've got loads of dusties knocking about like they're, they're almost like dusty's uniform is like a generic desert uniform for grunts as well so you've got a lot of dusties in this and obviously the real dusty's there too they the havoc that she's driving because cross country was on leave i like that that hits a landmine um and then cobra just appear literally take out everybody and um, dusty survives because he was blown clear by the explosion and then he he realized when he gets back to the havoc he realizes that, that julie is nowhere to be seen nowhere to be found 
So he kind of goes, oh, sh- I'm going to have to get on the recon thing on the Havoc and, and just gun it and and, cha- and f- follow the tracks. So he, he follows the tracks to this kind of like camp in the, in the at night. He sees where all the Cobra troopers are, takes them all out. After the gun battle's done, he sees a body on the ground in a coat in a Crimson Guard uniform, and it is Julia. She was actually an undercover agent for Cobra, and uh, I I thought that was wow, like that was like a you know for some for such a short story, like you know such a short little burst kind of story. I was like cool, they got a lot in there, and um, and then Flint gives him like this talk, and then he's yeah. like, yeah, I don't want to leave anymore. <laughs> yeah, packed a good punch that story. I thought I'd give it a seven. That's the best Ooh, one yet for me. Interesting. Like the colours as well. Colours are by Louise Cassell. But yeah, I thought it was a nice, nice little punchy story there. Awesome. Awesome. Issue five, you have mentioned I think you mentioned this when you were talking about the Tomahawk on the toy section of yes. Talking Joe episode. Yes. This is the one where you've got Flint, Beachhead, Snake Eyes, is that dial tone? Yes. And Footloose jumping out of the chopper with a lift ticket about to take off and Footloose has got a wild look in his eyes there, man. Jeepers. Hell yeah. I love this even cover. Even Beachhead, even Lift Ticket, they're all crazed. This is one of those covers that I I just I get so much out of. Like it, it's the the just that the the fact that they put the tomahawk at an angle. Yeah. You know, like it's coming in at an angle, the guys are jumping off before it's landed or before he's even you know, he might not be touching down, he might be actually taking off, you don't know, because of the 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 action that's going on, you don't know what the situation really is. He could yeah. be coming into land, or he could be taken off. This is um, or Jeff, Jeff Senior. We should just hovering. Yeah, yeah, to. totally. Flint looks cool. Beachhead looks cool. Colors Snake great. Eyes looks cool. Lift Ticket looks cool. Dial Tone looks amazing. Like I love that pose, and uh, Footloose is just looking nails, like giving it the big one. And I love the fact that Footloose gets. Um, he talks in this story. And he's from Dundee in Scotland, so it's like, I kinda <laughs> and all this shit, which yeah. is brilliant. So that's the highlight of the covers for all these issues by far. Best cover I've ever I've ever seen in a right, okay. GRJ or Action Force. Oh, right, okay, yeah. Big praise indeed. Big praise indeed. Just one storyline in this, and it's called Gunships. And it is Steve White on script and Robin Smith on art. The Robin Smith art was something that kind of became a bit synonymous with the run. He did a quite a few stories in the in, in this. And I have this like warm, fuzzy feeling when I see it. I know you're not a major fan of the style, yep. Um, but one of the things I will say is that he what he overuses wobble lines to the like nth degree, and I always thought that was so funny. Like any, per- they don't even have to be moving. Like there's I one hadn't, bit when I hadn't even noticed these. Now you've mentioned it, I'm literally looking at every panel, and I'm like, oh my god, they're in every panel. Look at Flint's like, it, like every time. If you look at Flint, there's one p- picture where Flint and Hawk. Or I guess they are walking. Yeah. But like, they're, they're it's it looks quite stationary. The the image from the behind, and you've got wobble lines on Flint's beret yeah. and Hawk's shoulder, and it's like it's like when you learn as a kid to do shading or wobble lines, and then that's all you do for every single thing yeah. afterwards. There's so there's a couple of a couple of good old boys have been shot down. Or they're, Three they're stranded on an island, aren't they? And the Joes, yeah. are, or the Action Force, sorry, not the Joes, Action Force are going in to provide an evac, effectively. Yep, that's but true. But there's cobras lurking in the undergrowth. Yep, absolutely. Uh, they finally get through to them, and there's only two of them. One of them is separated from the group, and uh, they don't know that Cobra are there, but they like when they say, are there any Cobras nearby? He's like, negative, no Cobras within at least half a mile of us. And there's yeah. like, Under in the, the panel, they're like yeah. literally next to them, yeah. uh, which I thought was quite cool. I don't think either of them are aware of each other's, yeah, they're not aware of each other's, really like they don't know that they're there. Yeah. I don't think Cobra know that the guys are there is what I'm saying. Yeah. And um, yeah, that, and so that, the panel, I'm on the panel now, which is effectively the cover and the cover is obviously miles better than yeah, the panel yeah, totally. that depicts it. But there's a couple of instances here where Flint says, the gunner's hit, and it's just a generic grunt. Generic grunt, And then yeah. later, I think it's yeah. a one page yeah. later. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Lift ticket said, Flint, the co-pilot. co-pilot's hit, and yeah. it's just a generic co-pilot. Generic they wanted it off grunt. a couple of guys, but they didn't want them to be full-blooded <laughs> yeah. Action Force guys. I mean, that's, that's your standard issue Action Force move, isn't it, right yeah. there? Yeah, yeah. He's not even said Jenkins dead. He's I know, just said but the co-pilot, the we gunner. Have, we have killed Trent. Don't forget, which was a pretty big deal in this run in yeah. the first, second, the second, third issue. Whenever it was, he actually dies. I think it's the second issue. Yeah. What I really like about it is on that on the next page, 
bazooka's firing his bazooka from his f***ing shoulder. I, I don't so like how he's how he's holding that bazooka. To no, be the exhaust would take his bloody arm off, wouldn't it? Yeah, he'd have the most hideous burns, but firing his bazooka like that. Yeah. There's a lot, you know, and I think that's again, like I, I do get the warm fuzzies when I see the artwork because it's. Like I said, it's 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 synonymous with the Action Force Monthly, which is probably why you don't like uh, Action Force, yeah, Monthly, which yeah. is probably why you don't like it. Um, but it, it I, I am fully aware of its um, shortcomings, shall we say? Yeah, yeah. I do like that panel of Beachhead and Snake Eyes with the helicopter packs, though. On their little helicopter packs, yeah, yeah. Big firefights in the swamp, shootouts, explosions, etc. Oh, and that that move where. Beachhead grabs the Viper by the uh, neck with his legs and pulls him off the yes. uh, ferret and then smashes him into a tree trunk. Yeah, pretty him inventive. Into a tree trunk. Pretty inventive. I like that. Stuff. Actually, there's another... Well, as they're doing the evac, or the X-Fill, whatever you call it, there's another gunner inside the, the Tomahawk. Another grunt. Yeah, yeah. So obviously there was more than one, or... He didn't. He's, he's not dead. In, in no, it's it's it would be another generic okay. grunt. Absolutely, yeah, hundred percent. And this is taking a page from the Larry Harmer school of wrapping up an issue in like one page. Well, yeah, because they basically <laughs> just get on the chopper. Cobra's in the tree line. Boom, boom, boom. They all get blown up, and then off they go. Yeah, life's a it's beach. Life's a beach. Yeah. And I really like it when Flint. He's like, "Let's move out," and Flint's like, "A hawk." He's not on the hot the chopper, and he's like, "Will you quit fooling around and get in, Flint?" I think that's really cute. Yeah. I mean, I'll just say quickly: we are buzzing through these issues. If you haven't read them, you don't have them in front of you. I think, uh, Mister Diagnostic, my buddy Chris is going to be putting this up as a youtube oh, yeah. view video. as well and he will probably be taking lots of screen capture or lots of page oh, yeah. images and putting them up on the on the youtube video 100 percent, 100 percent. so um if you want to if you're listening and you haven't got them in front of you you might want to stop now and go and oh no finish it and then go and watch it again on they the youtube can, they can do what they want they'll have all options available to them yeah that's, yeah that's how we do, do as little or as course. do as little or as as much as you want yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I gave that one just for the interest of people who are keeping count. Gunships, I gave that a five. Oh dear. I, fi- I figured you would. Um, Action Force Monthly Issue 6. Destro, how do you plead? Guilty. Guilty. And he looks like he's got short arms. Well, not really. I mean, he's hold- he'd-, he'd they'd be bent, wouldn't they? He's just yeah. holding them. Okay. Uh- <laughs> I get what you're saying, but like, I don't know. I, wouldn't, I didn't see it like that. We've got two stories in this issue. First one, As Thick As Thieves. Yep. Uh, Mike Collins on script and Robin Smith back on art duties. Want to hear something cool about this? You can try. <laughs> so this was before the the movie came out. So they were, they were kind of told to do a lead-in to the Action Force slash ah, the, 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 the movie. Because when he starts talking about broadcast energy transmitter. Yeah, 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 ah. absolutely. So this is basically done almost to kind of get the UK audience up to speed with who Serpentor is and, you know, all that kind of all that kind of stuff. So it was just a, a story to, to say, like, this is leading into the film. That's why you see Pythona. That's why you see the broadcast energy transmitter. And, yeah, so uh, effectively Destro's on trial by you know Cobra have got him on trial almost like in an in internal court martial yep. because of a poor uh, assault on Burida Island and basically the G- action force were there to try out and test the broadcast energy transmitter Cobra get wind of it they attack Destro should have destroyed it uh, in actual fact it wasn't sorry it wasn't uh, Cobra that got wind of it it's Destro that gets wind of it and he does the attack I apologize and he doesn't tell Cobra he doesn't tell Serpentor. He wants to get this done and dusted, and then he wants to pr- like present to Cobra and Serpentor, look what I did for you, and so on and so forth. So uh, that blows up in his face when the assault doesn't go his way, and he ends up in court. So it's about like the court battle, back and forth, flashbacks with the actual you know assault. Lots of kind of action going on, lots of lots fighting of on the beach. I've got, I've got weird reprints here with pink pages. That's, I don't know, that's weird. I've no, that's not a thing. So I don't um, know what happened there. Okay. It's probably just a mistake, an error. Printing error. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, but that happened, is odd. It happens a couple of times, but um, I'll, I'll send some pics. You can include them if you want to just to show what I'm talking about. Hells but yeah, totally. You, you get some, you get the first of what will continue to be a theme of Destro versus Flint. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this crops up in several stories and. After Destro has shot Hawk in the back, no less, 
with a like a, a dart, isn't it? It's a sleeping yeah, it's dart his, or something. Yeah, it's, it's what that one that's on his uh, on his wrist. Yeah, they're wrist rockets, aren't they? He's got a dart on one. He's oh, got he? wrist rockets on the other. Yeah, yeah. He goes, use the dart, and then um, Flint confronts him, and they have a bit of a uh, bit of fisticuffs. They kiss a lot. Yeah. The, then, the 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 bomb that he was going to attach to the BET uh, ends up in the water and it is done, and then uh, they escape and the F- action force are left thinking you know like okay whatever, <laughs> yeah. we'll get this BET out of the, out of the place and then while Destro is appealing to Serpentor you know as in like I didn't do it behind your back on purpose I yep. you know I was doing it you know I was doing it for a reason etc cetera, etc. Cetera. He tur- like Serpentor starts daydreaming. Well, we think it's day- we don't know what it is really until we see the film, and then all of a sudden he's in a different place, and it's Python and not Destro talking to him, saying Cobra needs the broadcast energy transmitter, yeah. and just repeating that over and over again. And he kind of goes to touch Pythona's face and says, "Oh my God, you're <laughs> you're the you're the woman of my dreams. Whatever you desire, I'll gladly give." And then he kind of snaps back to reality, and he's touching Destro's yeah. face. Yeah. Um, this uh, this probably would have been a bit weird, I guess, if the if you hadn't seen the movie, you're like, yeah. what the hell's going on here? Well, it it was it was one of those things for me where I don't remember what I saw first, and I think the movie was pr- was probably out, so they probably just released them roughly around the same time. So yeah, I mean, it it came out in the US in '87, but we ended up getting it, I think, in '88. Or it might be 88 and 89. I can't remember off the top of my head. In any case, we got it more or less a year later on VHS. And um, the the twist here at the end is that they've bugged the the broadcast energy transmitter. Yeah, but again, that leads in nicely to the film. So one thing I do want to mention is Python is in a completely different deco, which I find amazing. And I really want to do a custom of that, you know, yellow and orange. Uh, She looks amazing. And yeah, like you say, he put a tracker on the BET... And, you know, that's what he says. He says, look, I know where it is, and uh, it's here in the Himalayas. And then we snapped over to the Himalayas, which is effectively the beginning, not the beginning, um, but, like, towards the beginning of the Action Force movie, where they've got the broadcast energy transmitter. And it's, like, a nice lead-in to the film. So it's it's almost like an accompanying story and and intro to the Action Force film. Five out of ten for me for that one. Next one up is Killer Instinct, written by Dan Abnett, art and letters by Brian Hitch. This one, I I would have to say I'm not a massive fan of in terms of what happens in it, but it's kind of like, I don't know, the art's so pretty good. I just don't didn't like necessarily... In fact, the art's really good. I like the art a lot in this. But there's not much really happens in it. No. And it's like a very quick story with not like a... You know, I don't know. It's, I'm not sure what the message is necessarily, other than this guy. You know, he's he's at work one day, and then all of a sudden he witnesses this. You see, he comes out of his office, and this this guy's getting shot. Bang! Like, and it's like, what the f- what am I seeing? And then he sees the killer, and you're thinking it's going to be a cobra or like a, you know, you know, whatever it's going to be, and it, it's Footloose walking down the stairs. Yeah. And 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 all of a sudden he's like, "Don't worry, you know, you were in big trouble." He had a detonator. He was going to blow us all yeah, up. And the guy's like, "Kill him, kill him." Yeah. So, uh, well, the Crimson Guard turns up then, doesn't he? And yes. they're walking through the the thing. He, Footloose takes the Crimson Guard out, knocks him out. Doesn't have to kill him. And then this guy goes nuts, and he's all like, "Yeah, just kill him, just kill him." And he's like, "We don't need to, mate. That's that's the difference between you know." cobra and us kind of thing and then that's like the end and that's it like that is literally it it's such a weird quick story and uh, you know like that is one that i would probably suggest is like you know odd you know yeah 5.5 for me okay that's you 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 preferred that to some of the others i would rather read that than the previous one okay issue seven good cover here actually this could be my second favorite cover this is low light effectively staring down the reader um with his beautiful another iconic one yeah gun um, is Sighter up to his eye? Big close up. That's nice. Who's on that? That's, uh, oh, Kev Hopgood on that one. Of course. And we've got two stories in here. Hopgood's on the art inside as well, isn't he? Hopgood is on the art inside with Dan Abnett on script, and it's called Smooth Operators. I like this one as well. I don't, I, again, I don't care if you hate it. You yep. scumbag. Yep. Yeah, this is this is basically you've got Lady J being chased by two Cobra ferrets. She has info, and she needs to get it to Lugacelli. Good old Lugacelli. <laughs> Good old Lugacelli. And then obviously in eight miles away in Lugacelli, 
you have it's this kind of like rich haven for like you know sexy haven in milan basically quiet town kind of thing and you've got uh low light pulling up in a sexy vehicle uh without his you know just his got his shades on he looks really cool with his just civvies on he's very very cool uh cooper mcbride to give him his his uh, real name that's it yep and uh dial tone is in a hotel He's in there with a bunch of televipers, the, the unbeknownst to each, well, unbeknownst to the televipers, and he busts open the wall to get a bead on all of the uh, telecommunications and all that kind of stuff that the yep. televipers have, have set up, and he kind of attaches like this acoustic, what do they call it? Acoustic anti-surveillance ultrasonics, That's it. and it basically fries one of the televipers who's listening in. Uh, which I thought was really, again, really violent and harsh. And then the other Televipers like, well, I know where he is, so I, he gets his knife out and he's going to go and kill Dial Tone. Yeah, the thing is, I liked uh, about this is the Televipers are given a bit more to do rather than just being the dude who holds up the camera for Cobra Commander to see what's <laughs> going on, you know, for people yeah. to report to Cobra Commander. He's picking up a knife and he's actually going out to do a bit of a, yeah, you know, yeah. stabby stabby. I think, again, this, these, so these were characters that were available as toys and I think they really wanted to... to you know sex them up so that kids wanted to buy them and in the u.s yeah it it was i found it funny especially the way uh larry portrayed them but also it kind of fit nicely and you do get that in big organizations you know some people's jobs are so specific and that's what they do and it's the same with cobra you know they need their you know mechanics and their administration and all that kind of stuff they need all that stuff and televipers are telecommunications so it kind of makes sense but in this and in action force comics yeah they're always a bit harder aren't they why was low light trying to get up into the high ground in the tower uh just for a better shot i think at what though what you know what it seems very specific that he was sent on this mission to to shoot out the televipers box yeah I guess because they're basically about to intercept the transmission. So, it's. I mean, let's face it. It's a. It's a very complicated thing Set they're doing up, for yeah. something that is very simple. But you know, I suppose it's a way of getting of showing how cool low light is, and then also get him in a in position where he's, he's strapping himself yeah. to the side of a building and and like leaning out. I just think it's a really cool visual. And Dalton strangles some dude to death. Yeah, with his with his big cord, cord. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> His massive cord. Yeah, and that guy is brown bread. And then low light, like you say, the televiper, here it comes, I've got... Hello London, transmission begins. Time's up. <laughs> and uh, blows it up. I and mean, the look on the televiper's face. How yeah. am I going to explain this? I like that. I thought that was cute. Um, and uh, yeah, and then all is good at the end. And they're all, yeah, great. We've done that. Should we f*** off now? Yeah, 6.5 <laughs> for me. Okay. We get one more... Story here. This is Mark of the Assassin, Ian Rimmer, and we've got John McCrea on pencils. John McCrea, who did a lot of work on Hitman for DC. I think the and, art's gorgeous on this. Um, amongst other stuff. But You hate it, though, right? Uh, the demon he did. Um, this one, let me see what I get it. Did it quickly. Six, uh, 6.5. Okay. Um, 6.5. I, I really, I thought it was cool. I thought like, Storm Shadow looks really bad. They always draw him really cool in his old uniform. Like, he looks way better than his action figure suggests but yeah the, the i love the detail on his sword on his you know sash and like the buckle and all that kind of stuff there's there's so much detail in there for what is a like i said you know short kind of throwaway story yeah it's kind of just a simple assassination isn't it with but it, with... i love that you know he gets on the bottom of that car yeah. and then when the car moves away he's like there, like friggin' spider-man or something yeah. it's just yeah. so neat yeah i think I, you know i like john mccrea's art so this is that's a good appeal for me there is a twist obviously and I'm surprised he didn't spot it. And it's that when he the does guy... spot it, does he? So Storm Shadow does. The whole point is the whole storyline hinges on an anonymous tipster. Right. The anonymous tipster is Storm Shadow. I didn't get any of that. So effectively, it's like the, the anonymous tipster was Storm Shadow because he didn't want to do the mission in the first place. Right. So he anonymously tips off Action Force that there's going to be an assassination attempt. And so they dress up some. They dress up dial tone. Dial tone in the guise of a fake rubber mask of the actual, the actual Mark. Yeah. Because the thing is, like in the in this story, he is a bad guy. But I think they were they were probably moving towards the same thing that the Americans were with Storm Shadow becoming a good. Like becoming a G.I. Joe member so with that kind of way they were moving with it they were probably starting to make motions in getting Storm Shadow into a different position 
So yeah, so but basically what what I'm saying here is that he's the anonymous tipster. Yep. Action Force come in. He knows what he's doing. He's not, you know, if he if it, an assassin, he's going to make sure the guy's dead. One, two, he's going to shoot him in the head. Three, he's going to do something else. Like you know, he's he's not just going to fire an arrow in in the guy's heart and hope you know, and then walk away. So. I think like on this one, he knows who it's who it is under the under the costume. He knows someone's in a costume, and he just goes for the least uh, dangerous thing. Everyone thinks Storm Shadow's fallen for it, and they put out the news that the guy's dead, and that you know, lo and behold, uh, it comes around and they say, "Any news on the uh, the real hero, the mysterious caller who tipped us about the attack? Not a thing." Dial tone. Next panel. I guess we'll never find out who it was, and you've got a big picture of Storm Shadow's face. I don't know right. how more obvious okay. that could be. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, six point five. I liked it. Okay, cool. And in in the back of this issue, we've also got um, reprints for Gunboat here. I've got which is from the Action Force Weekly. Yeah. And just yeah. flicking through these pages makes me think how much I preferred those weekly stories to these monthly stories. Sure. Even though. A lot of the creative teams were similar, um, mm. so I'm not too sure, you know, still why, um, I don't know, I think the, the scripting and art were definitely better in those weeklies, for me personally. Issue 8, cover, Snowcat with Destra and Flint, looks like it's going off a cliff. Yeah. What would you like for Christmas, Flint? An ejector seat, a parachute, wings! <laughs> uh, yeah, cool, dynamic. Fun, interesting. How's this happened? How are Destro and Flint together? Yep. Nuclear Winter. Script Steve Allen. Art it's got by hang on, Robin hang on, Smith. it's got hang on, it's got snow on the logo. You forgot that. Snow on the logo of Action Force. Yeah. Tying in with our uh, Christmas theme. Well it's the Christmas this was the Christmas issue, so it was out for Christmas. Oh, there you go, that's why then. And um, I'm just I'm just saying like it's cute. You should mention yeah, it. Yeah. Alright. Well done. Done and done. <laughs> yeah, so how did Flint and Destro end up in a snowcat together? Um, you'll tell us an airplane crashes in greenland it's important as it always is flint goes to find it in a blizzard but with iceberg that not to confuse you it's not blizzard the character it's iceberg the character yes. uh he and destro have to work together to survive because they uh, well basically what happens is uh, another cobra attack the two of them get separated from the group they end up going on like this mission where they're like you know he's chasing destro down one of the snowcats gets damaged yep. and destro and flint decide Okay, well, to survive this, we're going to have to work together to get out of it. Eventually, they find the plane together. And and also, a really cool moment, uh, Flint sees Destro without his mask, and then he knocks Flint out. And then How does his mask come off, though? I'm just looking at that. He punches him or smacks him or something. They've got each he? other's hands around their throats. and then He swipes at him. He swipes him. Like, it's like a, he hits him with something. Yeah, and his mask falls off. Yeah, and Flint like the is, front part. Flint yeah. is, at this point, the next panel, Flint is like, Huh? kind of thing so yeah. what are we led to believe at this point in time we no haven't knows, seen man. in the u.s comics what destro looks like which is obviously just a normal human being but here are we still under the guise of he could be a disfigured man well okay so this is my theory now because this is marvel uk and they would have led on from you know the previous issues and they would have led on from the battle action force stuff so there's the you know these guys you know the the creative teams would have been aware of the previous stuff and that that's probably like i don't know maybe floating around red jackal was Destro in the, in that, and Red Jackal became Destro in the Battle Action Force comics. Ah, uh, yes, yes. And Red Jackal was a cyborg, so he was an original, hum- you know, originally was human, then ends up getting rebuilt into this kind of like cyborg, and uh, so you don't, you, you, you're kind of umming and ahhing as to whether it's layover from that or. It could just it, the whole point is to make you think, what the f is it? And that makes it like a thousand times more interesting. It's yeah. like the mystery, like like I've always said with Snake Eyes. Like I only prefer, I only prefer Snake Eyes stories when he's masked because it's more interesting. You don't know what what's going on there. There's a mystery to it. As soon as all that's re- revealed and he's walking around without his mask all the time, I got I just I turned off. I was like, I'm not that bothered anymore yeah. about Snake Eyes. He's not interesting to me anymore. So they what the beauty part of this was they were always doing that in the com- in the UK comics they were always like it's a reveal to someone but never to the f-ing reader 
and you're like, oh, what could it be? It's this is so cool. So I I don't know. I just think it enhanced him more than anything. And I, we're not led to believe anything, but it could you know it could be someone Flint knows, but it's doubtful because he doesn't do much afterwards. You know, it's not like it's not like there's a uh, it ever comes up again necessarily. You know what I mean? Like it's not like Flint is like yeah contemplating oh well, my brother or whatever yeah. so uh it's I guess it more just leaves li- the door open doesn't it to be yes, whatever you want yes, it to be exactly exactly um, 